Killer remix drop. Medicine Here. remix, fam. Scary V. remix. Next big thing, get on it now. Appreciate that, brother. Make the most of today. Thank you for listening. You're listening to Medicine Remixed. Support for Medicine Remixed on this beautiful day to be alive comes from Gladville Gratitude Tablets, now available in gel caps. Get faster and longer relief for your fucking whining and complaining than any other brand out there. Gladville Gel Caps, for when you just need a gratitude adjustment. Check. What it do, Remix crew? It's Reesh, it's Medicine Remixed, and we got a bit of an experimental episode for you today, but I think slash hope y'all will dig it. So the basis for the experiment was basically to find a way to improve the audio quality for conversations D and I have over the phone. We've tried capturing Skype calls, phone calls, and using Anchor's interview feature. But at the end of the day, for audiophiles like ourselves, we wanted to get close to the sound we were getting back in the day in medical school when we used to record with two mics in the same room. So we basically just decided to talk to each other over a phone call, but with a Bluetooth earbud in our ears on either end, and each of us having our respective microphones in front of us recording into GarageBand, and basically combining the tracks in post-production. Anyway, this may not be a revelation to some of you listening who also have podcasts, but for anyone this might be helpful or interesting for, give it a try. I think the audio quality turned out like a million times better than our captured phone calls in the past. And if you like the style of this episode, please leave us a voice message on Anchor or hit us up on Twitter at Medicine Remix. We'll still be putting out our highly produced episodes at least once a month, but in an attempt to bring you more consistent episodes on at least a weekly basis, we're going to try these raw, minimally produced episodes with us just riffing and ranting on random topics. And if you listened to last week's episode, both new listeners and old listeners probably have a little more context about Dee and myself. But what we may not have mentioned in that episode, especially for new listeners, is that Dee is a psychiatrist that's at the tail end of his child and adolescent psychiatry fellowship, and I'm a general orthopedic surgeon that's a year and a half out of training. So the punchline is that we're both pretty fresh in the game. And this episode was recorded while I was on a locum tenens assignment, which for those that don't know, is basically like a contractor type job for a doctor. And I've been doing these gigs one to two weeks a month since I graduated residency, while I spend the rest of my time trying to build Medicine Remixed into a proper media company and figuring out how to design an ideal life for myself based on my interests in and out of medicine. Major killer. So part of this conversation talks about me reaching out to a physician coach recently to tackle the existential exercise of figuring out what I want out of my life. And along those lines, Dee and I talk about feeling like a fraud and the very real phenomenon of imposter syndrome, both in and out of medicine. We also talk about making life decisions for other people, like our parents. We dissect why most people don't really know what they want in their lives. And we also talk about what we're afraid of as young doctors that are just starting their careers and their families. (laughs) 
We also touch a bit on parenting and taking care of aging parents. I think there's so much great stuff in this episode and some really important insights for anyone in and out of medicine. So without further ado-do, let's get into this raw conversation between Debunked and myself on the one and only Medicine Remix. So, uh... When did you get out? When did you get there? Wherever you are now. Um. So I came here last Sunday or Monday, maybe. Um. Like early Monday morning. I think. Yeah. I wound up just leaving super early Monday. It's like two, two and a half hours from DC. So yeah, I just oh, drove okay. straight to clinic last Monday. I was on call Monday and Tuesday. Um. Had one hip fracture this week. Um. Which you know wasn't too bad, but. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, um, I still just have like that pit of anxiety anytime I get like an operative case, you know? Yeah. I mean, like the case went fine and everything. And obviously if everything goes fine, like, you know, it's great. But, you know, the anxiety and the self-defeating thoughts that I feel like before those cases, like it far outweighs, I think, any satisfaction that I get like when the case goes well. But um in in any case yeah i mean the the week wasn't too bad it's a lot of clinic it's like there's clinic every single day like the um 8 a.m to to noon is like a walk-in clinic every day so it's almost like an orthopedic like urgent care in a way like people are you know walking in and there's a lot of you know just like arthritis like giving people injections and stuff um and then you know sometimes there's people that walk in with with broken bones most of the time it's like you know non-op stuff but every once in a while there'll be something operative and then uh usually tuesday is my call day and then wednesday afternoons is free for any cases like that i'll have to do um and so far i haven't taken a weekend call i I take one uh not this coming week but the week after i'm on call so this month is actually kind of busy you know pretty much here three weeks out of the out of the month um rama came up uh on friday um you know just to spend the weekend here since it's not too far away um and then she how how far is it it's like two two and a half hours yeah two and a half that's not too bad yeah it's not too bad so yeah you know it's uh, so this this will be the gig until like june or july um something like that and gotcha. we'll see what the next step is, man. Yeah, I'm still, you know, every day is another, uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Just an existential crisis every single day. Like, what the fuck am I doing every day? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know, man. I think, I, I don't know if it's that, that I gravitate towards those kind of people or just I seek them out or I don't know. But it just seems like a lot of my favorite people who do shit that I like, mm-hmm. I, I've I've at some point or another found like some audio of them talking about how like they feel like complete frauds. Yeah. Um. But I think here recently, I don't know. I, I've kind of gotten to the crossroads where I guess there's the different between a difference between feeling like a fraud because because that. Feeling like a fraud almost implies other people think you're good at what you do, but you don't, mm. right? Because that's kind of the point of being a fraud, right? Like that's that you're able to fool other people, I guess, right? 
Yeah, probably in the traditional sense. But like, I feel like for me, it goes a little bit deeper because like, I just feel like I did this for all the wrong reasons from the beginning. You know, I feel like there's two types of frauds or like, you know, in the sense of like the imposter syndrome, I feel like it's people that did it for the right reasons and maybe on some level didn't think that they would get to where they are now. And they feel like, you know, imposters because they feel like everybody else around them is smarter or, you know, like, you know, there there's that person. And then I feel like there's the people like me that had no business being here in the first place, <laughs> you know, like kind of did it for all of the the wrong fucking reasons. And even maybe, I mean, in the other cohort, there are people that maybe did it for the wrong reasons, but still, like, there's some sense of autonomy there. Whereas me, I'm not completely exonerating myself because I feel like you always do have a choice. But in how I looked at, like, my upbringing, like, I felt like maybe I didn't have as much of a choice as other people just because it was just, like, expected of me to do this in order to, you know, do right by my parents or whatever it is, like, to, that I had to go down this path. Um, but, yeah, anyway, I don't know. Um, I'm just pontificating here. Yeah. No, I, I think, you know, obviously um, being an, an outside source uh, or or having an outside vantage point, I think, like, hearing you say that, like, my gut is at the end of the day, and I mind you, I say this, this is kind of a loaded, loaded statement, but your, your parents wouldn't have cared at the end of the day. I think they would have hung it over your head like any respectable parent would, <laughs> you know, like, you know, they, they would have, uh, they would have brandished this, uh, a failure, uh, you know, whenever it was convenient, I think that's kind of the the job of every self respecting parent. I, and I see, but it, here's the here's the weird thing. The reason I bring that up is because we all know that. Like we, I think we all know that on some level. Like no, you know, and people because here's the thing. It's isn't isn't that like every '80s fucking sitcom punchline? Like yeah, you know, we we'll, we'll love you no matter what. You know, like and everybody knows that. I think everybody does know that. Who anybody who's in a fucking at least. Mm-hmm decently loving family um that at the end of the day because normally it's tragedy that brings that out right like somebody right uh, does something and and almost dies and then yeah you know they say like oh you know we will love you no matter what as long as you're safe as long as you're healthy that that kind of shit um but it's just odd what little factor that reality plays in most decision making yeah yeah because it's just uncomfortable you know i think um yeah. It's it's maybe a lot easier to just at least up front, you know, just comply than resist. And then but for the long term, that's when you wind up paying because like if you're not making decisions, you know, based on your intrinsic motivations and if you're making your decisions for other people, you're just going to wind up resenting them like later on versus up front, it might be an uncomfortable conversation. They might be pissed at you for a few days or a few weeks or a few months or even a few years. But just like you said, most people do come around. And I think it's just that initial like, you know, ripping off the Band-Aid kind of a thing that's just so uncomfortable for 
you know, people like me or most people to to fathom that you just wind up going down. Yeah, I, I think it's it's I think it's a, obviously everything's more complicated than than what we think. But I think it's actually a bit more sinister than even that. I think part of it is us taking the easy road out. You know, like, so if my parents tell me I have to be something, right? So say like my mom said I had to be a welder or something, right? And uh, I decide, well, fuck, I guess I'm going to be a welder. And then some new process of, you know, fusing two pieces of metal come along and then welding becomes obsolete. And then I'm fucking thrown out on the streets. I can always blame my mom. Right. Right? Like, I could just be like, oh, I didn't know any better. Fuck, man. This is this is what they told me to do, and this is what I did. Yeah. And as as a kid, you know, there's so much angst with most kids about, you know, what it is you should be doing. Are you doing the right thing? And everybody's sort of clamoring for this, like, comfort and acceptance. And, and then, you know, your parents, well, you know, they can't, they wouldn't fucking lead me astray, you know, if, if they have any respectable bone in their body. And so you... Even though you want to rebel, the irony is that most kids end up doing what their parents tell them to do anyway, with or without some resistance, right? Yeah. But I think part of that is just almost a lazy complacency on our part. And by our, our I mean like everybody, right? Like we, at some point we all, it just feels right, which is totally kind of speaks to the role of the parent, like such mm-hmm. what an important role. Because you want to raise your kid to be some somewhat rebellious. Yeah. You know, and it, it, it's sort of, I, I don't know. I was watching this Ted Kaczynski. Uh, it's not a documentary. It's it's a fucking Netflix show. But as, as sensationalized. Ted Kaczynski or Ted Ted Bundy? No, Kaczynski. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That was his name, right, Ted? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the Unabomber. Yeah, yeah. Was that the Unabomber? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The Unabomber. Um, what are you pointing out that that shit's old? No, no, no. <laughs> I was just like um, I, I'm, I'm <laughs> like trying to remember because there's like a few people that I wind up mixing up. Yeah, the Bundy yeah. ones, like the new one, right? There's a new yeah. one. I think the the Bundy tapes or something like that. Yeah, yeah, that's what I yeah, thought yeah. you were referring to. Yeah, no, no, no. Um, it's a it's a show, but anyway, there's a. I've never read the manifesto. I don't even know if you can get it, Kaczynski's manifesto. I'm sure it's out there, but there's a. A point in there where I guess he wrote, you know how? Because do you know his whole deal? Like, not not to get all crazy about it, but do you, do you know his whole like sort of anti-industrialization? We're all slaves to machines now. Stance that he took a little bit. Yeah, I don't know a whole lot about him. Yeah, that was kind of his thing. Industrialization has ruined people, and it, it was all sold to to help us, and it was supposed to make everything you know better and free up our time. And instead, we're slaves to it. But anyway, he, he has this little blurb in there about. The automobile, he uses it as an example of how, you know, it was supposed to free Americans and you were supposed to be independent on the road and uh, go wherever you want. And it was this freeing thing. And and now it's like you can't even eat unless you have a car to drive to the grocery store. Right. And, you know, it takes up your time and, you know, you got to make a payment on the car and you got to have a nicer car and this, all this other stuff. I mean, he, you know, it's like anything else. He had good points, actually. Um, it's just he kind of went about him the wrong way. Blowing up people is probably not the best way to yeah. <laughs> to gain support. But but anyway, I'm and I'm sure it was part of the the Hollywood uh, playing up of it. But the forensics guy that's talking to him, you know, uses this. He's trying to like build a connection with him, and he says something like, "It was after he had already been arrested." But he says, "You know, I was thinking about what you what you wrote," and he brings up the example of the car, and he's like, "You know, that that part really resonated with me." 
and he gives the example of him driving home in the middle of the night. Uh, this is the the forensics guy. He says, I'm driving home in the middle of the night and there's nobody out and I'm at a red light and I'm just waiting there. And there's not a car in sight. There's nobody on the road. Uh, but all I did was obey. So it was one night I was driving home from work and there was nobody on the street. I mean, nobody. And I'm sitting at a red light, just waiting, waiting. And there's no cars anywhere. Still, I sat there. I obeyed. That's when I realized it's not about technology. It's not about machines. It's about what they're doing to us. It's about what they're doing to us, what they do to our hearts, because our hearts are no longer free. You wanted to be free. Right. You right. wanted your human dignity, your autonomy. Yeah. Everybody yeah, but... wants that. And I, I just thought that was... Obviously, it's not a profound statement. I, there's a bunch of poems and fucking... What were those people called? Um, slam poetry. Remember that shit? Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've heard a bunch of different iterations of, you know, the waiting at the red light, being told when you can go sort of thing. But um, but I just found it funny because his was more of a, you know, like, yeah, you're right. All I do is obey. But my point is, is that intrinsically, I think people want that. They want that sense of guidance. I think it leaks into everything to religion and um, order and all that shit. But I think at the fundamental level with, as a kid, you kind of want that. You're, you're, there's a part of you that wants to be told what to do. You need it. Not even that you want it, you need it. But it's just so fucking crazy that that can literally navigate so much shit further down the road that I don't think people really think about or can really even prepare for. No, it's true. Because, you know, here I am at the other end, have come into some newly found freedom where I, you know, could potentially do whatever I want at this point. You know, I've done what I said I was going to do. And, you know, my parents can tell their friends and whoever they need to to make themselves feel better or whatever that, uh, you know, my son does this, he went to school here and, you know, my daughter does this, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And now I'm just like, well, what the fuck do I really want to do? Right. You know, and there's a part of me that wants somebody to tell me what to do. And it's weird because it's like you would think that it would be the other way. It's just like, yes, now that I finally have some freedom, I'm going to do what the fuck I want to do. But I don't know what that necessarily is at this point because like I've just been so conditioned for all this time to jump through the hoops and do what I'm told and be a good follower um, that it's it's tough to like break that conditioning and break that mold. I'm a victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my condition. Mm-hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. <laughs> Did you go to your thing? See that lady or whatever? Oh, the physician coaching? Yeah. Yeah, I did like one session and um, uh, I think I'm I'm just going to see where it goes. I don't know. I don't know if it's going to work. It's kind of just worth a, a try at this point, I guess, just to say that I, I gave it a try. Because like, otherwise it's just me, you know, fucking complaining to Rama every day. <laughs> like... you know and she's the one that really you know found this person and you know i think you know possibly even in the future on a unrelated note or maybe related note like i think she would be an interesting interview also because she's she's like an actor and stuff but she's like a pediatrician but she also like acts and she does like this coaching on the side and you know she's asian american so she if anybody's gonna you know kind of get 
like what I'm going through, I feel like she's, you know, probably the one. So it's racist, bro. At, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's that's precisely who I was looking for, though. But um, yeah. yeah, I'll I'll let you know if there's any any breakthroughs. But I mean, the the major points that came of the first like kind of you know interview or whatever was you know just really and it's like it seems like it would be such an easy thing to do. But I think most most people just don't know what they want, man. I mean, that very simple question of like, what do you want? When you actually like just sit with yourself and actually like ask yourself that question, very few people have any real clarity to the answer of that question for themselves. So you think so? I, at least for me, I feel like I would think that that would be a a pretty easy question for me to answer. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not, you know, I went to this like kind of meditation retreat a few months ago, and this was like a major theme at this retreat. And that's kind of the impression that I got. I was like, you know, I, I think most people don't really have at least in my observation of how people were struggling with that question when we were kind of going around that I, I don't think a lot of people know. I don't know. Like, do, mm. you, do you have any clarity there? Like as far as what you want? Um, That's interesting the way you phrased the question because I wasn't even thinking about that. I, I was thinking or like I wasn't thinking about me specifically. I was thinking yeah. sort of as a, as a as a whole. Yeah, as a whole. And I think we're afraid of what we want. I don't think we don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I th- I think that's you know that that's also an important point and an interesting one because yeah maybe that is true um, also but I I don't know I, I I'm trying to tease that out and I think that's part of hopefully what this process is going to be about. Yeah, I don't know. I I I, I think people surprisingly because you know one of the hallmarks of psychotherapy is like playing this lane where you, you got to be careful not to you know offer people solutions like mm-hmm. to tell them what to do and i mean there's different schools of thought about it but the majority i'd say of therapists anyway um which you know i'm obviously not like a licensed therapist or anything like that but from the folks i've spoken to and work with um you know where you're supposed to be careful to not steal the thunder right yeah you know if somebody has a problem that's so obvious to us on the outside like dude the fucking solutions right there this is so simple what do you what the fuck are you doing um to be careful not to take it from them because they won't feel any sense of accomplishment if they don't make that rational choice themselves you know they're sort of uh outsourcing their decision making which the, that's not the point of therapy the point of therapy is fucking make yourself acceptable and workable in the world where you can make these decisions on your own and obviously, every once in a while, I would imagine you'd have to do that and give people sort of a lead. But I think that's hard because, you know, some people walk in there wanting to be told. Yeah. And, you know, that's interesting because, yeah, that whole like spoiler alert kind of a thing, like that's that's something that right. for me, like is maybe one of my resistances to wanting to do this because, you know, let's just say, you know, this person does like, you know, completely, you know, shows me the way. And then, you know, I find what I want and I have this clarity and I'm doing what I want every day. You know, part of that is ego, I guess, of just like, you know, feeling that I didn't do this on my own. And I, you know, somebody, you know, showed me how to do this. But it's just like, how fucked up am I to be like, you know, I, 
I want to be told what to do, but then at the same time, I'm upset that somebody told me what to do. It's like, what the fuck, man? Yeah. Like, you know, just at the end of the day, the the outcome should be, you know, what uh, what you're happy about. Like, if you get that, that desired outcome of, you know, having your ideal job or whatever. But anyway, like, you know, the few things that she kind of outlined was just, like, really, like, write down stuff that makes you, you know, happy. Like, in your, in your just day-to-day, like, you know, when you're in clinic, write down things that, you know, make you feel good. Like, you know, like, we've talked about this, like, you know, when we, like, explain to a patient in, like, ways that they can understand and they, they get some clarity about their condition, you know, that makes me feel good. Like, you know, when I'm in the office and I'm, you know, I'm putting on a cast or something and, you know, whatever it is, just like, you know, write down all the stuff, like, you know, whether it's when we're podcasting, when we're, you know, spoke in front of a bunch of people and you made them laugh and, you know, you you feel good. So like, you know, kind of write down all these things of like what your ideal job would entail, just kind of write down your experiences And then like the next step is, you know, kind of drawing a a Venn diagram of like your current job and whatever this other ideal job is and that overlap in between, like how much overlap do you think you currently have of your current job and this other ideal job? And, you know, for me, I said, you know, maybe like 20% right now. And, you know, the idea is how to increase that overlap between your current job and your ideal job and kind of write down a list of any and all things to increase that overlap. So, you know, what are the action steps, you know, kind of just start small and inexpensive, not, you know, quit your job and, you know, like don't do anything drastic was like the the main, you know, like takeaway, just like kind of start small, take a few weeks and just, you know, write down a bunch of action steps to get to that you know, ideal job. And then after the few weeks, you know, redraw that Venn diagram and see if you've made any progress on the overlap. So, I mean, I think that was just a very simplistic, like first meeting, you know, that's kind of what I took away from that. So uh, I don't know. I don't know. Like my big, my big fear is like, you know, by the end of this, I'm going to be in the same spot. Like, I'm just going to be like, yeah, that, you know, I, I can do all these exercises and still have no fucking clue um, at the end of it, you know, what I want. But, you know, I guess one of the questions she asked me was like, you know, what are, what are like some of the barriers like to getting to that that ideal job? And I think most of it just stems from fear and ego, you know, fear of failing at this other thing, um, the ego of like, you know, what I kind of already talked about, about you know, having somebody else like help me with this. What is somebody going to think that, you know, I'm like talking to like a physician coach or whatever, whatever the fuck that means. Like, I don't know. All of the specific things kind of, I think, are under the umbrella of like fear and ego for the things that are going to get in my way of, you know, getting to whatever that ideal job is. I don't know. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Um, well, I think, unfortunately, you shouldn't allow yourself to use the um, the facade of fear and ego as being an answer. I don't think that's an answer. Because truthfully, for anybody that I give a shit about that I bother keeping in my life or that bothers keeping me in their life, for that matter, um, fear and ego is, that's always the answer, you know? And I think by making that sort of the answer to what it is that's going on, I think yeah, I think you're right. I think you're gonna find yourself in the exact same place, because that's an amorphous sort of target. Yeah. 
it's like, okay, fear and ego, that's, that's great. Now what? And, you know, I think part of, you know, the course, and I don't know, maybe, you know, you guys will get there and it was just one session, but um, I, I think really pinning that down and getting way more specific about it and even just with you i mean it doesn't even have to be anything you you verbalize but but um yeah. you know fear of what you know and i mean yeah i mean I, I i think i did give her some specifics but i think all of them ultimately do boil down into those two things but i i hear what you're saying i think it's a lot more helpful to get down with the specifics you know one of them for example is like you know am i gonna make enough money doing this other thing and like and you know me like you know money is not you know the thing that that really drives me and like you know i think you know both rama and i are pretty not fancy people and you know we don't need a whole lot of money to live the the lifestyle that we want but still at the end of the day you know, you need a certain amount of money to practically like navigate through this world. And like, especially if we're going to have a family and like all of the expenses that go with, you know, like having a kid and, you know, the providing for their future and all of that stuff. I think that's a real fear. Like, you know, obviously medicine you know, isn't going to make you a millionaire, but it gives you some stability and a, and a steady income. So I think leaving medicine entirely is something that is like a fear of mine because of you know not having that that stability and kind of going after something uncertain which is kind of maybe one of the reasons why you know I wound up like not fighting my parents much like when I thought about pursuing a career in music or whatever it was that I realized how uncertain of a future that was and you know how a career in medicine at least would give you some sort of stability in your life so that's one thing yeah i i I think i think you inadvertently touched on something that that you might want to think about and i think that i thought about this recently um myself about the, the the notion of you know being able to provide okay so uh i'm job hunting right now right and you know i'm getting job offers and shit and i'm like I'm like shitting on on signing bonuses that are like less than 30,000. And that's something if I would have ever heard myself say at any point ever in my life that $30,000 wasn't enough for me to do fucking anything, I'd fucking punch myself in the dick. Yeah. Like it's just like that amount of money to me at no point in my life has ever meant nothing or not a lot or that amount of money is a fucking huge sum of money still in my head if i really think about it that's that's a lot of fucking money that's money that literally you know my mom raised three fucking kids on 30 on less than 30 grand a year yeah four kids damn i I fucking dropped one four kids and so it's just this idea of all right and i don't know if you and i have talked about it did i tell you about what happened with my mom like in the past year have we talked about my mom at all? A little bit, like with the dialysis and stuff. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. Even, even. Oh man. So it's been a little while. Yeah. All right. So I'll give you the the real quick. So my mom is a maid, right? Yeah. And she's been a maid as long as I, I fucking have a memory. I mean, she's worked cleaning hotels and cleaning houses, and she kind of spun off and started doing her own thing when I was in high school, and we used to have to miss school to go like help her clean houses and shit. But anyway, she kind of worked for herself, sort of. Uh, not sort of like towards by the time I graduated, she was, you know, finding clients herself and just cleaning houses. And um, she'd get these kind of high end people because my mom was like a super honest, like for all the faults my mom does have. If you let my mom into your house to clean it, like she's not the person you'd ever have to worry about, like stealing shit or breaking shit. Like she's just 
This is not, she's just a, like a hardworking straight laced in that sense. And um, so she'd get all these high end clients who have this little Spanish lady who would come in their house. And I always used to trip out and be like, how the fuck? They don't know her. Like my mom could rob these people blind. We're in these fucking like million dollar homes cleaning them. She's bringing her fucking kids in and shit. Like it was just always weird to me, but they just, they trusted her and, and rightfully so. I mean, she was a trustworthy person, but um, she's always been just kind of, I don't want to say giving because I think that's a little overselling, but she's, um, if she has it and you need it, it she's going to give it to you. It's a good quality to have, but it's not a smart quality if not used correctly because you can land yourself in a fucking shit ton of trouble if you're constantly giving your shit away, right? So anyway, the short of it is she ends up cleaning a house for some dude who's like this old, like old dude. He's about to check out, but he's, uh, he's, he's had a bunch of strokes. Anyway, my mom, they hired her to clean the, uh, this guy's house. So my mom goes in there and it's a fucking mess. So she, my mom just starts staying extra time. So she's slowly kind of cleaning shit. And so randomly, cause you know, you, my mom and I don't, we're not really close in that sense. We don't talk all that much. Um, I randomly called her. I think my brother kind of, I don't know. I think we had a conversation or something. He said he should call her anyway. So I call her and she's, She's like going to the store for something. And I said, oh, Ma, what are you going to the store for? She said, I'm going to go buy this guy some socks. And I'm like, buy socks for who? And she said, oh, this guy, it's a long story. And she kind of gives me the thing. I'm cleaning this house for this guy, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, um, she starts like helping this guy around the house and helping him bathe. And she's like, his underwear are fucking like completely torn up you know like it's just nobody should live like that so she'll buy him a pack of underwear my mom's barely making enough money to get by herself like she has no business buying some fucking random dude underwear but so she's doing all that shit and, and so fast forward a couple months this guy um tells my mom uh, i want you to move in my mom's like are you out of your fucking mind like i'm moving it dude like first off why and second off no like i don't fucking know you and uh, he says, no, 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 you know, like, if you stay here, um, you know, you could just still clean, but you could live here. You're a nice lady. You don't deserve to be, like, struggling to get by. And my mom's car is always breaking down and shit. And um, my mom's like, I don't fucking know about this. So my mom basically, my mom's fucking crazy. My mom basically says, all right, I'll move in to save on some rent and shit, but I'm, I don't work for you all day. Like, I, I clean. And the rest of the time, you leave me alone. <laughs> and so this, so this dude is like, all right, that's cool. So um, anyway, fast forward from there a couple of months. Dude, this dude died and left my mom everything. What? Yeah. How fucking crazy is that? Wow. The, the re here's why I bring it all up. Is because I didn't realize this until my mom told me this. I mean, I'm lying. I did realize it, but I never said it out loud because it scared me. Dude, my whole life, I've worried about having to care for my mom when she gets old. Mm. Like my whole life. Mm -hmm. Like when I lived with y'all, dude, the reason I loved your grandma so much is because I loved the fact that she was there. Yeah. Like I just, I liked the idea. Like I, I was just like, this is fucking, this is the way she, like, it's dope that your dad's in the position to be able to do that. And it's not like she was a burden. Like it wasn't like she had to sleep in the living room because the house was too small and there was nowhere for her to stay. Like it was like he, he created a life where he could literally have her there and it not break the bank. Yeah. 
and not that it was fucking cheap and didn't have its pitfalls. No, no, she's, I mean, living costs money. And so that was just something that stuck with me. And I, it, when all this happened with my mom, there was a weird sort of like relief because, dude, my whole fucking life, like getting through fellowship, man, part of it has been like, dude, I need to start fucking saving because I need to worry about my own retirement. But I got to fucking figure out what I'm going to do with my mom. Mm -hmm. Like for all the faults and problems we have and shit, like I'm going to have to put her up. Right. It's just what it's going to be. And it'd be great if I was spending that money and also had a great relationship with my mom. Then I probably wouldn't feel like I was getting the fucking short end, short end of the stick. Yeah. But it's like, we don't, we're not even fucking close. And this, she's going to fucking cost me a lot of money. No, yeah. yeah of and, and I don't say that like to be mean, but just, you know, to be practical, you know, and that has been something that my whole fucking life, like, I'm, man, to be honest, like even as early as six months ago, I would sit here and like fucking freak out because I'd be like, all right, I got this much in loans. I'm going to have to fucking buy a house soon. You know, we're, we're fucking planning on a kid. Like, God damn it. And then I got, you know, fucking, uh, I'm going to need a new car. My car's about to take a shit. And I got fucking credit cards. I'm, gonna, I'm like, damn, I'm going to be fucking just as poor, just making more money, like freaking myself out. Yeah. And uh, like when this happened, when she, my mom told me this, and I ended up telling my mom, I was like, mom, you don't know, because my mom doesn't, I don't know. I have to talk to her at some point about fucking finding somebody to manage that money because she's going to fuck that. <laughs> she's going to fuck that up. But, you know, I'm going to have a conversation with her that, look, lady, this is all you now. Like, uh, God forbid you fucking blow it because if you come knocking on my door, just understand, I'm not going to be able to do a whole lot for you because in my mind, I've already fucking made the gear switch. Like, she's good. And, uh, you know, that part um, is funny because you're talking about, like, the angst of, like, what are you going to do and, you know, are you going to be able to support a family? And, you know, if you decide to go this other career route, is it a smart move? Is it not? Dude, for better or for worse, uh, I've just made the decision that, you know, my, I'm not giving my kids shit after I raise them. Because it's better for them. And not because I want to be an asshole, but because it's way better for them. I 100% agree with that. And, you know, my gift to them is going to be that you don't have to worry about me. Mm. Which... I know how big, dude, I, like, just saying that, and maybe it's wrong, I don't know, but just saying that, I know what sort of burden that was for me my whole fucking life to know that no matter what I do, I'm going to have to be able to provide for my mom, and I don't think that's cool, and don't get me wrong, I don't fault my mom, it wasn't like she had me, it was like, all right, motherfuckers, I'm putting my feet up, like, now you got to take care of me, no, 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 she's doing her thing, she's surviving like everybody else. But I know for a fact that just the way she raised me, I was going to end up taking care of her. Right. Like, I just wouldn't be able to live with myself otherwise. Dude, that shit weighed so fucking heavy on me my whole life. I think everything I've done, including being a doctor, has been to try to pick something that would allow me to be able to basically provide for two grown people. And in a weird way, I won't say it made me chase money, but it definitely made me chase things that would allow me to do that. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying the amount of pressure, and mind you, unspoken. It wasn't like my mom was calling me every day to say, hey, motherfucker, you doing something that's going to be able to take care of your family and me? Like, that wasn't the case. But right. when I came to the realization that, dude, my gift to my kids, aside from, you know, from raising them and fucking doing all that shit, it's going to be that, listen, motherfucker, whatever you want to do, go fucking do it because I'm good. 
And I think that yeah. I think that's a, a a a shift because back in the day, man, even when we were like farming communities and like at some point your dad was gonna get too old to be able to farm himself, like physically not be able to do it. You're gonna have to provide for him. We don't live that way anymore. You know, you you can secure enough wealth where you're good. Yeah. You're gonna still need those services, but you're gonna be able to pay for them. And that's not a burden you have to put on the family anymore. And I think that's big. And I think there's a transition happening. Your parents, my parents, it was almost sort of built in and implied. Sure, they wanted the best for you. But I think in the back of their minds, they also wanted to know that they were good. Yeah. And that just doesn't have to be the case anymore. Right. You know, and I think part of that should be comforting to you that, look, man, at the end of the day, as long as you're able to put your kids out there into the world, good well taken care of, well fed at the age of 18 and be there for them for all the other stuff, the emotional stuff, but have them know like, Hey man, clean slate. It's yours to fuck up. Go out there, do it. You want to fucking play a guitar in a band? Go have at it, but understand yeah, that's going to be on you. If you don't eat, these are decisions that you are making, but don't worry about me. Yeah. Don't worry about me and your mom. We're good. Right. I think that's, that's a really important point that we don't really, we don't talk about that. I haven't really heard anybody. Mm -mm say that neither have i neither the closest we got we you and i had a conversation a while ago where i was laughing so hard because um we were talking about um jerry seinfeld uh coffee and comedians show Mm -hmm. um where kevin hart was on the show and he asked jerry like hey does your daughter or did your kids ever ask you if we were rich because i guess kevin hart's kid said hey daddy are we are we rich and that's when jerry said i'm rich my daughter got right to the point dad are we rich are we rich, yes or no? You know, I said, baby, we're doing well, but understand why. So when you work hard, you put your mind to something. Anything can happen, and that's what I want you to do. My daughter's so smart, she goes, just answer my question, are we rich? You know what I said to that question? I am. I am. Yes. You're not. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I, I thought that was so fucked up when I heard it. It was so fucked up, but funny. Yeah. And then I thought about it, and I was like, dude, there's a fucking profound lesson in that statement like i'm rich you don't have shit yeah and you, you shouldn't want to have shit at that you shouldn't you shouldn't well at that yeah, age guess, you do right, right? like the kid but i guess you right know, i think for the long term though like it's poison it, it is poison because like you're always i mean i don't know some people may be completely you know, fine with like, you know, mooching off of their family. But I feel like maybe they're fine, but name a person like that, that you like. Exactly. And no, that's, that's, you know, what I was trying to get at was that you're, even though outwardly, it seems like you've been given a huge advantage. I think for your life's purpose, it's almost like a disadvantage because, you know, inherently in that lack of having to struggle, that's not preparing you for building anything on your own because... Nothing worth value, nothing worth... Nothing that contributes to anything. It's not worth any of that. It just, it kills... It's not fulfilling. Yeah, it it kills the instinct to live. You you know, I think you did a a post a while ago about like the top 10 regrets or something like that. Yeah, top five regrets of the dying, yeah. Yeah, and um, I don't know how we came to the point in the conversation, but we were talking about Neil deGrasse Tyson talking about living forever and saying like, no, I wouldn't want to live forever because that would take away the joy of knowing that you have to do things before you die. Were we to live forever, what motivation would there ever be to write a poem? 
I can tell you my knowledge that I will die yeah. gives focus wow. and meaning wow. to every day that I am alive. Right. And I think that same sentiment is true for if you have everything, it takes away your drive to want, to work, to perfect, to go out and get something. I mean, what's the impetus? What's the drive? You have everything. You don't know what it is. So you start fucking doing weird shit like collecting stamps, right? Like you start trying to force something to have importance, you know, and all the little shit. Dude, if I fucking grew up rich, I would have loved it. I would have loved it as a kid, I'm sure. But I also wouldn't have been the kid who was fucking charging people five bucks ahead to watch the Mike Tyson fight in the garage. You know, like it, it, it would have just changed so much about me, about how I was willing to hustle, go to go without, to save, right? To, you know, walk by a window and see a pair of shoes every fucking day and say, yo, I'm going to go work at, at, the, at the burger joint and, and make fucking layaway payments on this shit to value stuff. And, you know, I think just because people grow up with money doesn't mean they, they don't have that. It just depends on how they were raised. And I think part of all of that is understanding that, look, just because of the virtues that you have and the way your parents raised you, your kids are going to grow up emotionally with what they need. Like that part is fucking done. That's going to happen. That's a pretty much a given. The rest of the shit, who gives a fuck? You're not going to have them living in a cardboard box. Whatever you give them is going to be enough. I think the focus should be, will you have enough for you between you and the wife to not burden your kids with that shit? Because I think that's fucked up. And I think that's, in a weird way, I think that's why parents push kids in certain directions. They think it's the altruistic thing to do. But I think in the back of their fucking minds, they know that they're going to need somebody to take care of them because they don't have it, you know? Interesting. Yeah, uh, that's uh, that was a good little session there. Um, I could easily talk to you for another hour. No, 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 we're good, man. This is, I think, a great little test run. We'll see how things line up. Um, if this sounds like it's it's a reasonable way to to go forward, man, I think we should try to do one of these, you know, every week. Yeah, for sure. And you know, just do it like how we did it without really you know much production and it'll just be at least like a weekly you know staple that we can you know put out consistently and you know not really have to do much production but still be working on these other interviews and stuff like you know medicine remix style that we can you know put out as like a bonus um you know if we're if we're ready for it because at the rate we're going yeah we're like putting out like you know one episode a month or whatever it is but if we can kind of start incorporating you know just like this like a riff kind of uh content out i think um people will like it because we know that people have liked it in the past and then it also gives us something that we can consistently put out word yep all right brother all right brother good shit we'll talk soon yeah for sure all right later man Medicine Remix fam, thank you so much for listening. Hopefully you found that episode valuable and or entertaining. And if you did, please, please, please consider sharing the podcast and writing us a review on iTunes. It would mean the entire world to us and it would help us spread the word about Medicine Remixed tremendously. 
We're going to start shouting out people that leave us reviews on future episodes, so please leave us your names if you decide to leave a review. Bless up. Like I mentioned in the beginning of the episode, if you like this style of episode and want us to keep them coming, let us know by leaving us a voice message on Anchor, tweeting us at Medicine Remixed, or DM us on Instagram. We'll have a link in the show notes to all of those platforms to make it easier for you. And speaking of reaching out to us, if there's a topic you want us to riff and rant on, please let us know by getting at us in any of those ways that I just mentioned. We do this show for all of y'all listening out there, so we want to include you in these hangout sessions by talking about what you're interested in as well. Uh We love you. Stay tuned for some amazing interviews that we have on The Chopping Block. Lots of good shit coming from our studio to your ears on the brand new season of the one and only Medicine Remix.